Hello, and welcome to episode five of Clogcast with Harriet Brain as my guest. As I can't currently run my alternative comedy night in Brighton called Clog Comedy, and as we all have to be indoors, I have started a mini podcast series. The plan is to have myself interviewing an inspirational comedian who is both unusual and whom the audience should watch. Clog essentially means comedians laughter log. It aimed to be a welcoming space open to acts to practice the highest level of comedy. I hope that it acted as a network for acts to join the forces of stand-up, musical, sketch and character comedy. As well as a safe space for performers to explore many topics and styles of comedy craziness. Thank you for listening. Today, on the fifth episode of Clogcast, I'm interviewing the musical mistress and artistic extraordinaire... Harriet Brain. <laughs> Thanks, Rebecca. It's great to be here. Thank you. Thank you for coming along. I, I, I'm really excited to have you along. I've been wanting to have you on for a few weeks now. Thank Ooh. you for coming. Oh, thank you. How are you today? I'm good. Uh, I've been outside, so that's good. I've had my daily dose of outside. I might... Um, read some book I've been furloughed from my from my day job so I, I've, I've just it's, it's, it's a bit like I'm on holiday but I don't <laughs> want to say that because I can't really do anything fun but it's very relaxing not being able to do anything isn't it yeah yeah I'm, I'm not too <laughs> bad at being chilled and just, yeah, me too. just doing whatever yeah mm-hmm. lots of rearranging things yeah oh yeah 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 I get you yeah yeah I see you mean. It's tricky being furloughed, isn't it? So, uh, it's all right. I mean, I'm really lucky because, like, it's uh, the place where I work is sort of making up the other 20%. So it's, I'm actually just, I'm actually being paid what I would usually be paid, but to do no work. So it's a bit, bit, of, a, <laughs> bit of a luxury, really. It's pretty, pretty fun. Feel like a little YouTuber. Yeah. Or influencer. <laughs> <laughs> What have you had to eat so far? I've had actually nearly 100% toast today. I don't think I've had anything else except toast. I had toast with peanut butter and then I had toast with cheese. Yeah, and I had some cucumber as well. So not a completely (laughs) toast-based diet, but nearly. Excellent. I had cheese on toast. Mm. It's a really good one. I mean, we've Mm. been pretty much subsisting on that. With cheese on toast? Yeah. <laughs> uh, this uh, this next question is taken from Emergency Questions by Richard Herring. <laughs> it's a little book I got that I that my dad got me, but I hadn't realised that he'd got it for me until like the other day when he was like, "Oh, here, I've got this like book signed by Richard Herring for you." Oh and I was my like, god, signed as well! So oh. I was like, "Oh, cool! Um, it's good you found it now." <laughs> it's really helpful. Useful. Useful in lockdown and definitely useful for interviews. <laughs> definitely. And this question here is, what is the least surreal thing you have ever seen for The least surreal thing I've ever seen. That is very difficult. It's very difficult to like think of something that isn't something. Um, I don't know. Least surreal. Hmm. But I see, I see non-surreal things every day. Um, I think it's like a double-edged question where, like, 
where it has to be at some level of surreal mm. where it's above the normality of something but then it's like it's like not that surreal but it is it has that yeah <laughs> <That's a> question <laughs> but I, I think I'd even struggle with like what's the most surreal thing you've ever seen well what's the most surreal I don't know because you kind of think like when you when you when you make when you like exclaim like oh that's so surreal mm. for some reason those things don't stick in my mind mm. um I once was about to cross Tower Bridge mm. and the bridge went the like the bridge opened that was pretty that's pretty surreal from like a from like the ground view mm. of it mm. and just seeing a road like come up in front of your eyes that was pretty surreal okay like, but at least you weren't caught on the bridge no no that's not that's sadly not possible that would be pretty <laughs> exciting but i have i've actually swum in the thames once and it was really it was nice it was fine but it wasn't like in london it was like upstream and it was one of my favorite swimming experiences ever <laughs> um so was it like in one of those little like kind of London kind of suburb streams where it's a bit cleaner and a bit nicer? It was it was the Thames itself, but it was yeah, it was like up in um Hampton. Or maybe maybe even further up. Um, but it was really clean and there was like this building that we were all swimming to. I think it was probably like a boathouse, and there was like <laughs> one of those little islands in the in the river mm. and we were all like jumping off something into the river and it was really nice. It was like one of these like heat wave days. And it was probably 13 or 14 years ago. Maybe mm. more maybe more. Oh age. <laughs> oh that scene definitely definitely feels very impressionist. Yeah, that's true. Like swimmers, like sitting on on like the grass, you know. Actually, that's true. Like, but the memories are really like dappled. Like, yeah, <laughs> like um, yeah, that's true. Little oh. men in hats, little wicker hats. Yeah, if I, I've sort of in, superimposed those onto my memory of it. <laughs> <laughs> All the little boys wore oh. little hats. Oh, sounds delightful. Thank you for that. Like, just warming image on such a warm, <laughs> lovely day. <laughs> Pleasure. Oh, sorry. You can swim in your mind. That's true. It is very <laughs> mushy. Yeah, I get that. I feel like <laughs> that. it's a bit mushy for the comics, isn't it? Just a mind mush. Yeah, nothing, nothing's growing in there. It's a bit mm. swampy. <laughs> oh, it's all right. It's all right. Going on from artistic imagery, mm. um, I'm curious, you have, as well as a musical background, you have a fine arts background. Well, who yeah. is your favourite fine artist? Um, my favourite, actually, well... Sorry. I have, I, have a, I have a sort of, like, you know, maybe not my favourite of all time, but I have, like, he's, he's really, really great. Um, and he's uh, quite young as well. Because uh, usually, usually I quite like my dead guys, my dead artists. But this oh, guy is alive, and he's really, 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 really good. He's so talented and very like apocalyptic, which I really like. Okay. I like apocalyptic art and films <laughs> and books. What's his um, name? Yeah, his name is Ade Adesina. It's mm. quite a common Nigerian name, I think. I think Nigerian. I hope I've got that right. But uh, yeah, he's and he does these um, really huge monochrome prints 
and we've got one in the flat. Like my um, my boyfriend's mum has got one. Oh wow! Amazing. <laughs> and it's sort of like a, a like a futuristic city scape um, with like a shipwreck in the foreground and like a, a sort of field of solar panels um, like spreading out from where the shipwreck is. So it's like all the water's gone and the earth is really scorched. It's, it's really great. I hope you picked that all up because I was facing I was facing towards it. <laughs> oh yeah, it should be fine. You yeah, yeah. It. that's oh, wow. that's it. But um, wow, uh, it's really detailed. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a lino cut, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was really good. Like, I'm, I'm not very good at like printmaking. Like, I mm-hmm. my hands are too clumsy, and I just because you know that main goal of printmaking is to make sure that the borders do not get dirty. But I, when I like art school, I just couldn't get it right. So just I was like, oh, I hate the processes. Oh, I love oh. the processes. <laughs> what did you What did you sort of do mostly in art school? Um, I did I did fine art, new media, and that was like digital or maybe yeah. image, cool kid, like computer sciencey art. Do you know what I mean? Like where it's like you yeah. code something. Mine was more traditionally like digital photography and video work and stuff. Awesome. I did. I did. A little, I dabbled in that. I made a couple of a little. I made like a and a. a like a stop motion animation oh. I made a couple of other little silly films mm-hmm. like uh but yeah I mostly did printmaking funnily enough <laughs> which is probably why I like Ade Adesina so much mm-hmm. but uh, yeah I love I love I love like anything with a with a process so I really like I really like printmaking yeah bit of a bit of a geek <laughs> that's okay yeah like uh, fine arts all are all, all fine arts are good and empowering and they all combine together so it's a it's a good supportive field I think yeah it's we true. Have fine art and comedy and performance art and all the yeah and true. for your like main practice of like printmaking what themes did you explore oh all sorts I did a lot of quite I think it's quite a typical thing of like uh uni students to do but I was very obsessed with like my own body Oh. And like my boyfriend's body, it was quite bodily. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yes, I, did, I didn't do any sort of like things with with like wax and hair, like a lot of people did. That was very popular. But like I did, I did like uh, full size. I did quite a lot of like uh, full scale body things where I would oh. like either use my body in the print, or it would be like an image of of me or my boyfriend or someone else that yeah. I'd got to, to model for me. But yeah, it's quite, it was quite sort of um, figurative, I guess, in a way. Um, and uh, I didn't, mm, very occasionally used a bit of text as well, because mm. I really liked all the old letterpress stuff. Um, mm. but no, just loads of body stuff. Oh, and, I, and then towards the end, I sort of like went a bit off that. And, but I did, but I think my best my best work was like I did these prints of my I did these woodcuts of my boyfriend's hands, mm. uh, which are really, really like oversized, mm. like really big, big, big hands. They were really good. Uh, what else did I do that was good? <laughs> um, yeah, I did. A, I did a really big like pro, one of the first things I did was like a big profile of his face, um, which was which was I think. <laughs> So, you know, I think I peaked too early and then like towards the end 
of my degree, I just like got, I was like bored, I think, which, mm-hmm. is, which is bad. And I ended up, I made some really like pseudo intellectual work at the end that, I, that didn't make a great mm-hmm. degree show at all. But there you go. Mm-hmm. Still, still did some stuff and got the degree. And it's mm-hmm. been so useful. Yeah, <laughs> <And tomorrow>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <sighs> sorry. Um, <laughs> um, how long have you been performing for? Um, I know it's a stereotyped question. Like, it's quite a tricky one because, mm. as in performing comedy, mm. uh, as in like at comedy clubs and things like that. Mm. About four years, mm. um, but then I was I was doing bits before that, like I but like not in a comedy context. But I was kind of doing my act like a couple of years before that, very occasionally, okay. um, at like ra- at like like as performance art in a in a way. Okay, um, at, when I was allowed or when, like when someone <laughs> asked me to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did like I like headlined a poetry night once. <laughs> which was great um they were all absolutely desperate for a laugh um, so that <laughs> is was, a poetry night that was still one of my best gigs ever and it was pretty like one of my first gigs ever um doing what I currently do and I I, I, I was like performing as part of like various bands and things at uni and um and before that as well so yeah performing as a as a and I was in like a couple of plays, you know, like I did a bit of Gilbert and Sullivan at university because I am one of those kids. Oh. Was. More like uh, a Gilbert and Sullivan kid. Yeah. Just <laughs> terrible Victorian musical theatre. Um, loved it. Don't regret it. Um, yeah. So performing quite a long time, but like doing what I do now, only about mm. four years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's definitely interesting. Like, who knows if I'll go back to it? (laughs) (laughs) That's definitely like interesting because I I heard of like the other like kind of associated like like performance like stereotypes of like oh that person is a musical geek like they love musicals like oh got front row seats for Hamilton they love it but I've Uh, never heard of a Gilbert and Sullivan like. Child, like a Gilbert and Sullivan aficionado. Wow. I think I, I'm, I'm over-egging the pud- like over-egging the pudding a bit. I did, I did one Gilbert and Sullivan play and got really, really into it for that semester. But other than that, I wouldn't say I know very much about about um, Savoy Opera. But it's <laughs> it's a great thing to get into if you mm-hmm. if you want to laugh, basically. Mm-hmm. It's definitely un- unique. There's a lot of yeah. um, maybe not quite um, culturally appropriate stuff in those oh, older yeah. audio brochures of like it's really Ricardo stuff. <laughs> yeah, like oh, they're playing. They're playing. Yep. One of, uh, yeah, they're playing. Um, hmm, hmm. We weren't. We weren't that woke. I don't think. I mean, we didn't do that. <laughs> we, we did patience, which is not a very well known one and doesn't really have any racial. Um, uh, aspect to it at all, hmm. um, and and neither th- neither did the society. <laughs> so <laughs> like, I guess that's fine. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, no, we, yeah, well, not a particularly woke group, have to say. Oh, <laughs> but very sweet. 
It sounds, yeah, I love a good bit of old, like, kind of Victorian, Edwardian kind of staging of stuff. It just feels a bit extra special, a little bit extra precious. (laughs) With your musical background, Mm. what is the writing process like for, in particular, musical comedy? I'm not very well versed in that area. Um, Well, again, I think everyone's is a bit different, but. Also, yeah, mine's a bit different, actually. I was, like, thinking about all these different songs that I've written, and it's very different depending on whether you're writing a parody of a Mm. song or um, making one up, making the tune up and everything like that. Um, Because if I'm doing an original song, which I've been doing more recently, I used to just basically only do parody songs, but now I've sort of, like, branched out a little bit. Um, But, so, yeah, for the original songs, I'll... start with the lyrics like I'll write like you know I'll write like a whole song and then I'll try and like put it into a tune and sometimes that works well sometimes it doesn't work so well but I think as long as you're as long as you sort of like write something that rhymes vaguely you'll be able to put it to a tune (laughs) um and then yeah and that's pretty good because it means that you can actually you can try and write jokes into it without being like restricted by like the structure of a song already you can like yeah but I, I'm still not very good at that yet um but then the parody songs will usually start with the, the parody song and hmm. I think oh, I really want to write something to that tune hmm. um whether it's like because I really really wanted to write a song to share hmm. uh like do you believe and <laughs> and so I did that for for my uh the show that I just most recently did um but but then it also ended up being like a like a a medley which I love medleys and it ended up being like a medley with a Kate Bush song as well and I was just like this is the best thing I've ever written but it objectively isn't but I just I just really like I really liked putting those two songs together um yeah, does that, yeah, a bit rambly, but that's basically it. That's okay. You can never go wrong of like Cher or Kate Bush. Like exactly. You can't wrong because they're just both equally amazing. I love them so much. It had to be done. I know. I'm so proud of myself. Oh, I, <laughs> oh, nice. I realised I forgot to ask a question previous to that. Uh, what slash who inspired you to get into comedy and performing? Um. I don't really know. It was, I, I sort of watched a bit of live comedy because I went to university in Edinburgh. Mm. Uh, I went to ECA and uh, and you can't really get away from it there because I, I did a, a couple of uh, sort of student jobs um, during, like during the fringes for like a few oh. years. Yeah, when I, when I lived there. Mm-hmm. And... So I saw a lot of, co- I saw a lot of comedy, I'd say. And I also saw a little bit in term time as well, you know, when you'd like, cause there was like a student comedy night um, in the Pleasance Cabaret bar. Um, and so I'd see, I'd see standups, but a lot of, they were a little bit of the same genre, if you know what I mean. They're all a little bit male and all, all a little bit did the same sort of material. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I'd say, so my, stand-up isn't really 
if, well, if you can call it that, it wasn't really inspired by that stand-up, I don't think, mm. at all. Mm. I think I was more inspired by, uh, like, Flight of the Concords, um, who I actually did see live during my university years. I think we went over to Glasgow to see them, which was the best. Mm. Um, so, yeah, Flight of the Concords was a big, was a really big one. Um, and also, you know, like, because they do, like, all the really good guitar-based, like, yeah, like because I was playing, I was trying to just play guitar like a like a proper guitarist. Then, like I was in a band and I was trying to actually play it well. Um, as it, like, I'm, I guess I'm still trying to do that now. No, I'm not really. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'd say they were probably my main and like people like like Jack Black, who I also saw live in Glasgow. <laughs> um, yeah, Tenacious D. Mm-hmm. And I, re- I really, really, I was really more drawn to like double acts, really. Mm-hmm. I was, I think I tried to, I tried to instigate a couple of double acts, but it never really happened. Um, never thought I'd be doing it on my own. Never thought I'd be doing, because mm. I was such a, I was such a, like, I so enjoyed being in bands. That's the thing. Uh, I, I was really not interested in doing solo stuff at all um, until I did it. And then I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> It's your time to shine. Really fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Fascinating. I just love to learn, like, who, like, people are inspired by. Mm. Because cause you see a lot of people, like, posting about, like, certain, like, stand-ups or American comedians. And I'm, like, and I'm, sometimes I feel a bit unsure because I wasn't necessarily inspired. I'm not necessarily inspired mm. by, like, watching stand-up. I get a bit more inspiration from, like, sketch shows and character shows because they have more of an impact on watching them when I was younger. So it's, yeah. it was really fascinating to learn about people in that way. I, like, I completely agree. Like, I, I'm completely in the same boat there. Because, um, like, I, I was really, really, like, when I was really little, mm. or, like, you know, under 10, I guess, mm. um, I think my parents used to let me watch, like, some sketch shows that probably weren't age-appropriate. But mm. uh, thank, oh, thank you. Thank you there. Um, <laughs> Like, and so I would watch, you know, like Absolutely Fabulous and um, The Fast Show and uh, all sorts of things like that. And I would do impressions of the characters. Like, I, do, I did an impression of, like, Tim Nice But Tim. And um, what else did I do? And I used to do, like, an impression of Ruby Wax. Can you do it? Oh, oh. go on. But this is, this is, like, the kind of thing when you're, like, eight and your your uncle thinks it's really funny, but no one else really does. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? So oh, that's amazing. Like, I think I would sort of just say, oh, hi, I'm Ruby Wax. That's basically it. I get that you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the Tim Nice But Dim one was similar. I basically go, I'm Tim Nice But Dim. And everyone thought it was the f- like the best. <laughs> uh, because I was, yeah, like eight. And turns out you can do anything at that age and people yeah. will love you. Um, I feel you. I think. I think. I think. I think everyone has a. I can do a Ruby Wax impression phase. So I, I, I hope so. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love the idea of like all these English kids just going around huh. being Ruby Wax. Oh. Oh. Good one. I used to do an impression. Of, did, did you do like the Philadelphia adverts? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Like, I I remember seeing her in adverts like all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't think I was allowed to watch her show. <laughs> but yeah, I think it was on too late. Oh. 
Do you have any odd or troublesome audience anecdotes? How have you dealt with hecklers? Um, I think people don't, I've not had a bad time with hecklers because I think like my material doesn't really invite it. It's a bit, it's a bit sort of whimsical. And I think like also, uh, I'm not trying to sort of provoke that kind of reaction at all. And so people, and people seem to respect that. I mean, you've had, I've had like dr- plenty of really, really drunk people in the, in the audience who have sort of started like singing along or have started to like be inappropriate um, in like a slightly aggressive way. But f- there's something I just, ca- I just carry on. Um, or I like make fun of them and everyone agree, you know, cause usually, oh. usually everyone agrees that they're an asshole. Uh-huh. And so you can kind of quite easily, it's very easy to put down a heckler who everyone agrees mm-hmm. is being an arsehole. Um, because yeah, I, I'm not, I, I don't think anyone could say like, Oh, like, you know, she was asking for that heckle because I don't really mm-hmm. engage in, in that way with, with the audience. I try to sort of like be nice to them. And so, yeah, there's not really any like instances which stick out as particularly mm-hmm. malicious but like there was this really funny one where I used to uh, do this song about um, Charles Rennie Macintosh, oh, yeah. the Scottish designer, and I used to, because not he's not like hugely well known, like he's not like a massive celeb like Tracy Emin or Picasso or like you know, like, you know one of these people that people mm. more people have heard of. Mm. Um, I used to do this like preamble. Of, like to sort of give some hints about what's about to come. But then the joke, well, I got a laugh when I revealed who it was because people were like racking their brains. Um, <laughs> and and, uh, and anyway, this, this, there was this time where I was doing like my preamble and like giving them some hints about who yeah. this guy could be. And this woman just went, it's Rennie McIntosh. And, like, and, I, and I was like, oh, well, you've ruined it now. And I couldn't, and I, I just didn't do the song. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> That was also quite funny, like, like me being annoyed at her being like a really good, like oh, her knowing stuff was quite mm. funny. Yeah, so I've, I've, I've had a good time of it. I've not had a bad, um, like a hostile audience member overtly doing that sort of thing. <laughs> I see what you mean. I, I've had definitely had like similar like things from like the other like quirkier or slightly different from the normal like mm. comedy acts where where this doesn't necessarily welcome heckler, hecklers or like bad like outputs because sometimes maybe sometimes because people aren't always sure to like as to how they should react yeah so that's a really like annoying story of the lady going Renee McIntosh just that <laughs> whole idea of just that being deadpan like Renee and you're like yeah it was really fun oh, thanks Thanks. But um, <laughs> but I think because I I'm not sort of laying, I'm not sort of being particularly vulnerable mm. on the stage, um, whereas a lot of stand ups are like are very vulnerable, or at least that's the mm. that's what they're portraying a lot of the time. Um, almost, at, I think almost to sort of, and I think like it it does it can bring out the worst in in like very few like you know the exception to the rule in terms of audience members who just who kind of want to um vent you know vent some 
grievances or whatever they have against uh like oh yeah and then and then they get sort of and I was yeah because and I, I was doing this actually no I was doing this gig I think it was a preview actually and it was very very difficult because there were these two guys who just come in not knowing what what it was hmm. and it was very early days of the show and I was trying to I was still trying to like put it together um and so what what basically what they thought was going to be a guy with a mic doing stand-up mm. turned out to be me trying to workshop my show, which, yeah, to be fair, wasn't what they asked for, but they could have just left. But what, mm. what they instead did, it was free, So, but what they instead did was say, uh, they, they were like, oh, lay into me. They were like, lay into me. Come on, like, insult me. Like so, so they were like they wanted to be they wanted to be put down by a comedian because mm. that's what they saw, that's what they'd seen, you know. Because mm. people people are obsessed with with comedians putting down hecklers. There's like tons of um, like viral clips of that happening, and so I think people just assume that's like an intrinsic <laughs> part of going to live comedy, um, oh, well, well. which is a bit annoying. <laughs> mm. So they want it's, it's a weird genre, yeah. Mm. So you see, like, you see people like just like blowing videos up, like kind of like maybe hoping to get that like chance of just saying like, yeah. "Oh, watch this comedian fail." <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah, cool. That's great. You want to film that? Thanks. That's respectful, isn't it? I know. Like, yeah. Take it seriously. Sorry. Yeah. Combative. Yeah. People. Some people just you know they they like combative things, which is absolutely fine. But it's just not what I was gonna give them. <laughs> um, they were they were like, I mean, they just didn't get it really, which is which is you know no one's fault. Um, mm-hmm. And then they left. Uh, eventually, eventually they left. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they bought me a drink afterwards, so they they knew that they'd done something wrong. <laughs> they, they weren't sure. They weren't quite sure what. <laughs> um, seeing as the you know the night said comedy on the door. So they were confused because um, that's what they thought it was going to be. Like they thought they could, um, yeah, chat to me and I would like put them down with wicked, like wicked insults, in- insults. <laughs> emphasis was completely wrong, but you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Oh my. Oh, I did for for your shows, Total Eclipse of the Art mm-hmm. and Les Admirables, mm-hmm. what was your like development process for your fringe shows? Um, very haphazard. Uh, <laughs> I'd say the Total Eclipse of the Art show, mm-hmm. um, that was something that I think I'd sort of been subconsciously working on for about two years. Mm. Um, you know, cause a lot of people with their first show, mm. it's the culmination of a lot of your thoughts for a long time usually. Mm. And then the second show is something that you've had to sort of put together out of sort of out of nothing a little bit more. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the, the, the first show came together quite I basically had all this material already it was all extremely similar and I just had to put it into a nice 
um, not narrative because it's it's like not narrative at all. Mm-hmm. I just had to put it in a nice order, like you would like an album, like a music album. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I kind of I tried a few different ways and I kind of succeeded, but at the same time, I I didn't have anyone telling me. I didn't like have anyone telling me it would be better this way or better that way. Cause even if, even if I'd asked, you know, someone, uh, a sort of mentory type person to help me with that, I don't think they would have known what to do either. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so, so that just, that came together. I think the best way I can describe it is like a, like a music album, I would say. Mm. And I wrote, and I kind of wrote bits of stand up to go or like links between the songs a lot of which were very lame, but like the, okay. the sta- like the standout bit was the songs, and mm-hmm. and I was happy with it in the end. And it was yeah, it was really fun to perform most days of the fringe. Yeah, <laughs> of course. it was an awesome oh, show. Yeah, it's a oh, really good show, listeners. Well, I really I really liked doing it, but it was it was so like really weird for a first show because usually people are expecting like this is who I am. Um, a little bit of a story of your of your life, a little bit of context as to as to why you are the way you are. Uh, whereas I was just like nothing about me mm-hmm. at all, pretty much, and just like just. But I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's even more um, revealing of, <laughs> of mm. who I am. I don't know. But and then and then the second show was something that I was like quite determined to make like a departure from the first one mm. and so it had it had a lot more original material in it mm-hmm. uh, which worked really well I was really happy with it um but it was it still had quite a few of the parodies in it I mean the, the plan was to not have any parodies and like trying to see what mm. what would happen without mm. them but I just I just love them too much and so a lot of them uh, ended up in the show um and it was a lot more of a conscious process of like actually write putting something together rather than just like picking from your favorite things that you've already written do you, do you, know, do you know what I mean mm-hmm. and I think some some shows um are more like that some for some people anyway like because so I think a, a lot of comics I've sort of listened to interviews with um like kind of more in-depth geeky sort of like comedy writing interview type things either their show comes together from from five minute bits that they've written and they kind of put them together and then they stick an ending on it Mm. and so either that happens which is basically what my first show was equivalent or some like they want they want to write about some something big and meaty Mm. and they have to and so and so it's like it's building on something rather than slotting things together. Yeah. So that was it was a bit more like that the second show the the sort of build, building on a, something that I wanted to write about which was female scientists and mm-hmm. and my kind of inspired by my grandmothers who were both scientists and mm-hmm. it was like kind of more more of that. So that it, it was more about me as well like quite a lot more about me which was interesting. In 2018, I had a collection of older material for like a little mm. mini show. And then last year, I was feeling a bit, just a bit rubbish about my material. And it was like, I think because a lot of the material was quite new. And I just felt like, oh, this is all a bit, mm. oh. just a bit. Mm. And mm-hmm. I think last year, I was trying to be, 
I'm, I just got, I got this idea in my head that, like, that I should just, like, try and do more, like, relatable stuff. And I try to do that, but I'm not very good at that. And so I've just, like, it's a lot better now, but it was just a bit tricky. And I was like, oh. Then I got this other idea in my head that I read online where someone had posted somewhere, can't remember who, saying, Oh, or if you if you if you're not successful by like a certain amount of years, then you're a failure. And I just got this like image in my head, and I just kind of, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> not a good time. Yeah. No, it's not a great, um, a great um, confidence booster. That kind of space, like, yeah. And I completely resonate with your struggle with to be relatable or not, or to try to do that or not, and it's. Like I don't, I don't know the answer to that either yet, because um, I s- sort of started off completely unrelatable. Mm-hmm. Thought I was doing really well, mm-hmm. but then you do, you do have enough sort of dodgy gigs or enough sort of setbacks or, or enough sort of knocks to your confidence that you sort of feel, oh gosh, maybe I am doing something a bit wrong, and maybe I should, yeah, try and be more relatable. But it's it's almost impossible to get that right. Um, consciously like to, to try to be relatable and you will almost certainly fail is <laughs> what I found um because it's yeah it's one of those things you either are or you aren't maybe maybe um, I don't know <laughs> but uh, but like non-relatable mm. I think is much more interesting mm-hmm, definitely yeah. a lot of the time on, on the edge of this, do you have any tips for future comedians listening? Oh, um, tips, I would say, yeah, I'd say sort of have have confidence in, in your material if it makes you laugh. Mm. I think that's like, that's like the biggest thing. And I think, because you wouldn't, you wouldn't write it if you didn't, if it didn't make you laugh. Mm. And I think that's the only real way to do it. Um, so whatever that happens to, whatever sort of like form that happens to take, um, then carry on. Mm. Um, <clears throat> uh, so yeah, it's most important to make you to make you laugh. Mm. Um, but like some, yeah, just sometimes you just you do just feel like nothing you do is is very good, and it, it, it's sort of like it. It's like a really really common feeling, and it's hard to get out of that especially in a context like now where we haven't got that instant gratification of doing doing a nice gig because mm. I think like that that is the best way of getting out of it is sort of mm. um going along to something either to do a, an open like a an open mic that you know mm. is a nice one it they're really really like curative like curative I don't know if that's the right word at all but like or or if you happen to be lucky enough to have a gig that you know is going to be great and even getting paid for it maybe but like getting paid for it doesn't really make because I mean you hear a lot about these corporate gigs Mm. um where and it's yes yes money is nice but I think it'll be much better if I hadn't done some like certain of those gigs do you know what I mean for in terms of like mental health (laughs) but but, um but then you like there's way more nice gigs out there than nasty gigs Mm -hmm. overall you're gonna have a great time Mm 
Mm. And so like, if you, I think like the main tip would be don't, don't stop or like have a, you know, have a, um, don't stop or change anything just because you have a bad gig. I think because the next one will most likely be amazing because most, most of them are. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's tips. Thanks. That's really poignant. Thank you. <laughs> I think that'd be very helpful to our audience. So finally, uh, thank you for participating. Do you have anything to sell such as social media handles or various projects? I, uh, should probably be doing a lot more like PayPal stuff, but I feel bad because I'm not, a, I'm not a full-time comedian. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I've got a bit of frog in my throat. It's not Corona. It's not Corona. Oh. Um, <laughs> but, um, I yes, but I, I'm not really, I haven't really got anything like I don't have coffee, like the buy me a coffee thing or anything like that. But what you can do is listen to a uh, free podcast that I <laughs> that I do with Beck Hill and Ooh. Dr. Lucy Rogers called the Design Spark podcast, and it's all about technology, but it's very funny. Oh. I hope, and um, so you can listen to that, and um, always you could rate and review it if you're feeling particularly uh, generous. Um, and we're coming a new series of the Design Spark podcast is coming out. In at the end of this month, last June, I think most of it will be coming out in June, um, where we've got six new episodes oh. and six bonus episodes as well. Oh. So our biggest series yet. Um, we've got when we've got like some a couple of special guests as well. It's going to be great. So, but yeah, you've got two series to listen to, um, oh. which have already been or yeah already ready for you to listen to uh, on and I think any any podcast platform. I think wherever you get them. Okay. Excellent. And on uh, like Twitter and all that and Instagram, I think I'm just Harriet Brain because it's quite an unusual name. So luckily I can just be called Harriet Brain on my social medias. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I get that with my name because my full first, my full first name is Rebecca, but with two Ks. Which is very unusual. Pretty good for Facebook. People are like, oh, where can I find you? Well, I guess it's good and bad depending on the situation, but <laughs> well, yeah, true. <laughs> oh, amazing. Oh, impressive. Well, I think that about wraps it up for the questions. A, a big round of, of applause to the lovely Harriet Brain for spending your lovely, somewhat warm afternoon inside for us. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> 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 